good to see you all here. How are we all? That's good. Uh, so if you don't know me, my name is Nathan, and I'm the Youth Connections worker here. Um, and I get to bring you the word tonight, which is exciting. And as I said, it's been a it's been a week trying to get this right. So I hope I hope I do my best for you guys. Um, so we've been going through a series called The Essentials, which has been interesting. Um, it's been really cool to look at the importance and the power of Scripture and the authority that it has over our lives as evangelicals. And last week we looked at uh, the power of the redemptive atonement of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, which was cool and a message that I think is good to remind ourselves of. And tonight we come to the topic of baptism. Um, Yeah, and this week has been a learning experience for me and I feel that every time I come to a message writing a message God just like tries to deal with something with me or try to teach me something new so it's always a good opportunity for me so if you guys don't learn anything I did so I'm pretty happy about that Um, I'm going to do the message a little bit differently Uh, tonight we're going to get straight into the scripture Um, we're going to look at this guy called Nicodemus who's heard of Nicodemus before just turn to the person next to you and ask me if they've heard about Nicodemus So the passage we're going to look at today is from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. It's going to be on the screen, so let's read it. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So here we have this guy, Nicodemus. Uh, he's a man with the best credentials. So he's, uh, he's a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish ruling council. Best way I can describe a Sanhedrin. <laughs> um, he was a Pharisee, which meant that he had a high regard for the Lord. So he was a law-abiding citizen, a model citizen. And so what's interesting to me is that Nicodemus, rather than going to visit Jesus during the day, he comes at night time. Did you notice that? It says in verse 2, He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And so he comes up to Jesus and he's like, yeah, we believe you, we know who you are. And then Jesus, I just love this, I love he just completely ignores what Nicodemus says and is like, actually, this is the spiritual need you need to deal with right now and we're going to talk about it. And so my question is, why do you think Nicodemus came to Jesus at night time? Perhaps he had too much on during the day. I mean, being a law-abiding citizen, you must be pretty busy trying to follow the law. Maybe he couldn't find a moment to get to Jesus and talk to him. You know, maybe uh, he was walking through the streets and he saw Jesus and was getting ready to go, but he found out that his parents were at home, and so he had to go visit them. I don't know. Maybe he was really busy. It's a possibility. But I think maybe the real reason that Nicodemus um, didn't go see Jesus during the day was because he was 
frightened of what the other Pharisees would think, the people that he hung around. Because as someone who's uh, on the top status, the person who is abiding by the law each step he takes, being seen with someone like Jesus, who they saw as someone who was breaking the law, who was having dinner with sinners, who was working on the Sabbath, which is crazy, being seen with someone like Jesus would have made him look terrible. So, you know, he maybe he would have lost his status, maybe he would have lost his friends. And so maybe that's the real reason that he didn't go to Jesus during the day. And I think I need to stop here and ask, are you sitting here today feeling like Nicodemus? Do you feel like maybe you've been dying to hear from Jesus or go speak to him? Um, Not literally, but through prayer in our case. Um, But maybe you've been sitting there wanting to talk to him, wanting to spend time with him, but life just keeps getting in the way because I know life gets busy. And maybe you've been wanting to read your Bible more, pray more, um, spend more time in his presence, but, you know, work gets in the way, seeing friends, family, it just, it all adds up. Or maybe there are other fears that are getting in the way of you going to see Jesus. Maybe you feel like if you spend more and more time with Jesus, people are going to look at you differently. Maybe they're going to they're gonna think of you as this crazy churchy guy or girl who just spends too much time with Jesus. I don't know. And whatever the reason was for Nicodemus to go see Jesus at night, whether it was a time-related thing or whether he was scared of what people would say, he went to visit Jesus. He took that step and... Even though he went at night, I'm sure he was still risking some stuff um, about his status, but he did go to see Jesus. And so can we. We can do it. And the response that Jesus gave is something that, like, if you read, uh, we'll, we'll have a look at it, but it's not at all what Nicodemus was expecting. It's not what he wanted to hear. Uh, so Jesus turned to Nicodemus in verse 3 and he said, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so we read in the passage that Nicodemus was so confused, he was like, how can I, a grown man, you know, be born again? It's not practical. It doesn't make any physical sense. So Nicodemus was, one, he was caught off guard because he was like, oh, Jesus, we love you. You're this cool dude. And then Jesus is like, bam, you need to deal with this. And also the fact that it was so confusing to him. He was caught off guard. And so after that, Jesus responded with, in verse 5 and 6, he said, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And so I think what Jesus is saying is that everyone's born naturally. I don't think anyone's going to, you know, oppose me on that. We're all born in one way or another, um, whatever the complications might be, but we're born physically. Um, But he's also saying that a person needs to be born of the Spirit also if he wants to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that brings up the question, what does it mean to be born again? You know, Nicodemus, he's so confused. What does that mean to be born again? Being born of the Spirit. And that's what I've been looking at a lot of the time this week and spending a lot of time trying to figure it out. So um, I'm going to do my best, guys. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, So when it comes to um, baptism, I did find that there's a lot of discussion about, you know, whether we do baptism, like water baptism, as soon as they're converted or after and all that sort of stuff. But I'm just going to explain baptism to you as best as I can without trying to bring in too much of the confusing discussion. Uh, I think I've come to a pretty good conclusion. And so we've got water baptism, which is the baptism we see at church where, you know, we get a pool, the pastor and the person getting baptized go for a bit of a swim, one of them gets dunked and raised back up, and we've got that baptism. 
And what that baptism is, it's, it's a public declaration for our faith to say that I'm giving my life to Jesus and I'm going to turn from my old ways and start to follow him and live the life that he wants me to. And a lot of us here have probably been through that, which is cool. It's something a lot of us have heard about, the main one that people hear about and talk about. And so it's a symbol, firstly, of our sins being washed away in the water. When we go under, our sins get washed and left in the water. But it's also a symbol of us dying with Christ and being risen with Him um, from the water. And so in Romans 6 verse 4 it says, We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So it's a symbol of when we go in the water, our old selves uh, dying in the grave with Jesus our sins being washed away in the water, and we come up this new creation with our sins left in the water, and we live a new life uh, with Jesus. And so the person who comes out is a person who wants to spend their time living, breathing, speaking, and thinking the way that Jesus would. And it's such a cool thing to witness and be a part of, and next week we get to do that. So I'm really excited about that. Who's excited about baptisms? Yeah, woo! (laughs) So now we come to baptism of the Spirit. And it seems that a lot of people are in discussion about the idea that there are two different types of baptisms of the Spirit in the Bible. Um, And then we're going to go through a couple of scriptures, uh, verses that are the ones that people use to talk about those two. So firstly, there's a baptism of the Spirit that happens uh, when we give our lives to Jesus. Um, When we make the decision to turn away from our life of living the way we want to, doing what we want, um, and we give our lives to Jesus. And so, um, when we become Christians, when we're converted, as some would say, uh, the Spirit comes upon us um, at that point because we've accepted the message that we've heard of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, which is the main verse people use for this, says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we we're all given to one spirit to drink. Given the one spirit to drink, sorry. So when we were, so when we were baptized in the spirit at the point of conversion, when, um, when we give our lives to Jesus, we, re- we, we receive the Holy Spirit within us. And it's at that point that we become a part of God's family, which is really cool. Um, and it's at that point that the Holy Spirit starts to work on us to become more and more Christ-like. Um, which I know for myself, I've I've found that um, since that point in my life, I've I've been working towards, and it's not really myself; it's God doing stuff in me. Yeah. Uh, so Ephesians one verse thirteen to fourteen puts it this way. Um, I don't know. Can you guys read that one? I'm trying to get better with the fonts, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, so Paul here is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. And so Paul here confirms that when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes within us. That's when we receive it. Um, and he also points out that it's, it's a seal of our um, it's kind of like writing the last name of your family on you. It's, it's God saying, you are a child of, you are one of my children. Um, so it marks us as one of God's children's, children, which is great. And so we've got this initial baptism of the Spirit when we become Christians. Um, 
which is really awesome. But because uh, that's the point when the Holy Spirit seems to come upon us for the first time. But there's also this a second baptism of the Spirit, which is uh, a lot more debated. Um, but I'll try and explain it the best I can. And this is more of a, rather than it being a one-time thing, this is a kind of a continual process of being filled with the Spirit, as some people say. So in different situations or events, people being filled with the Spirit. And it's not to say that these two contradict each other, because I don't think they they do. Um, But it's almost like at different points and different times in our life, we become more and more aware of the Spirit's presence and we can feel Him uh, moving and doing stuff within us. So this idea comes from Acts verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, which says, On one occasion, while he, which is Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my, uh, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so a few days later, uh, which comes over to Acts chapter 2, um, the disciples, along with a bunch of other people, are in the upper room, uh, and it's at this point that uh, Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit comes upon them in tongues of fire, which honestly would have been such a cool thing to witness. Um, and they're able to understand and speak different languages to each other. And, you know, we won't go into discussion about what that language looks like because there's <laughs> so much discussion on that. But whatever it was, they were speaking a language that um, people were able to hear in their own language, which is like crazy. And so this was the first time that the Holy Spirit had come down on more than just one person at a time. It was accessible to everyone. And so the Spirit baptized these believers, um, and it was, it was seen through the gifts that, of the Spirit that um, were at work there. And so from what I've read in Acts after this, which is where I got a lot of um, my understanding from after Pentecost, is that there are moments um, where the Spirit will fill people for a particular purpose um, when it comes to, to doing what God wants. Um, so, for instance, there's a point where Paul is talking to um, this guy who is deliberately going against God and deliberately doing the wrong thing. And so, Paul, like it says, Paul was filled with the Spirit and he goes and he just yells at the students and says, you're doing the wrong thing, um, which is really cool. And then uh, there's a point where Peter is about to give this really big speech uh, and that he's filled with the Spirit when he does it. So it's almost like the Spirit is filling him and empowering him to do what the Spirit wants and what God wants. And so what I think that this shows us uh, is that the Spirit tends to empower us at different points. So, you know, for instance, if God's called you into a particular ministry or a particular job or not, I believe that there are points where God will fill you up with His, his Spirit to do that and will power you, empower you and enable you to do that. And it shows us that the spirit we have isn't a spirit that is just dormant, just sitting there, that when we become Christians that it just sits and does nothing. It's a spirit that is moving and active and constantly filling us up um, with power and authority. And I find that really exciting. And I can tell you from my own experience how true this is that we have a spirit within us that isn't just sitting there as a mark and that's it. It's a spirit that is moving. And so I may have told this story before, I apologize if I have, Um, but it's a really important one to me. Uh, And so uh, when I became a Christian, uh, it was at a youth camp here, which is awesome. Um, But there's no doubt that it was such a great experience for me. Um, I was just buzzing afterwards. You know, I gave my life to Jesus and I was ecstatic for like a whole year. It was the honeymoon phase of of faith. It was really exciting. 
Um, and I look back on that and I think that's when the Holy Spirit entered me because there was so much joy and passion going on. And it was so good. Um, and then the first time I look back now, and the first time that I think I was filled with the Spirit for a particular reason was at a Seiko I went to um, a few years ago. Um, so we had this worship session that was just so good. It was it was amazing. Like The presence of God was just so strong there. It was so powerful. Um, Saturday nights at Seiko are always off the chain. Um, so it was good. And I was headed back just kind of processing what was going on, and I was kind of walking by myself away from everyone. Um, but we're heading back to the tent, getting ready for nightlife, which is great time, good fun, good activities. Um, but as I was going back, I just felt, and the only way I can explain is I felt like God's Spirit was overflowing within me. Um, and I just started crying, like not a sad tear, but just an excitement because um, I really felt like the Spirit was saying to me, you are loved, God loves you, you're a child of God. Um, and it was, it was just such a spectacular experience. And not, not the last either, I will say, not the last. And that was one of the experiences that solidified my faith because there's something about the Spirit that m- when it moves within you, is, is, it's hard to describe and it's just it's something that's so exciting that you can't find anywhere else, you can't manufacture it. It's just such a great experience when the Spirit moves. And, the, and one of the, the best ways I can explain it is with uh, this verse, Romans 8 verse 16. Uh, which I don't think I have a slide for, but it says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And for me in that moment, it felt exactly like that's what was happening. Like my own spirit and the Holy Spirit were coming together to remind me that God loved me, that I was one of His children. Um, And it was so empowering in that moment. Um, And then we went to a nightlife and it was cool. (laughs) But it was, yeah, such a great experience. So let's go back to Nicodemus' story for a moment. There's a part right at the end that for so long, and not just this week, but in the past, every time I've read it, has been so confusing to me. Um, In verse 8, it says this, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You can hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And I don't know about you how you read it, but that to me seems like the most out of place verse here. It just seems so random, like Jesus is talking about being born again and, you know, entering the kingdom of heaven. And then he's like, let's talk about the wind for a little bit. Um, So it just seems so crazy and weird to me. But the more I read about it, the more I started sitting with it, it started to make more and more sense. And what I think Jesus is saying here is that when you think about the wind and the Holy Spirit, they're very similar in the fact that the wind, you can't contain it, for one. Uh, you can't always understand it. There's more science behind it now than they would have had back then, but it's still not completely understandable. Um, and you can't see it. And all this stuff that is unknown about it. But in the same way as the spirit and the wind, you can experience it. So with the wind, you can hear it. You can feel it pushing against you. You can, you can see it doing stuff. Not that you can see it, but you can see it moving things. And I believe that Jesus is saying the Spirit is the same thing. We can experience it today, right now, just like we can experience wind. Even if we don't understand it, even if we don't know what it's doing, we can still experience it firsthand. You and me can experience it. And what the Spirit has to offer you and me is something that I don't think any of us want to miss. The Bible talks about the Spirit being our helper in our weakness. Uh, When we don't know what to say to God, the Spirit talks to our spirit and talks to God. 
He helps us to communicate. He's our comforter when we need comforting. He puts us on the right track when we start to go off, off track, and he points us back towards Jesus. And he continually reminds us that we are children of God and that we're loved and that we have a purpose and a mission in this world. And I love that. So right now, will you guys stand with me? And as you stand, just close your eyes. We're going to take a moment um, to focus. So with everyone's eyes closed, I want to ask you again. In this moment, are you standing here feeling a little bit like Nicodemus? Like for a while, you've wanted to get close to God. You've wanted to ask Him some questions or you've been, you feel like you've been asked to do something that you don't know if you're empowered for, or you don't know if you're um, good enough for. Or maybe you're standing here and you just want a fresh touch of heaven tonight. You want God to do something within you that um, just lights your faith on fire. And I want to remind you that right now we can experience the Holy Spirit in all its fullness today. And we're going to pray about it. So if you want to experience that, if you want God to move in your life, if you want the Spirit to fill you up right now, for whatever reason, just lift your arms up, put them out in a posture of acceptance and a posture of receiving. And we're just going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for all that it means to us, that it means that we are your children, that you love us, Lord. That it's a symbol that you want to be in relationship with us and the Holy Spirit isn't going anywhere. Lord, we thank you for that. And I just want to pray for everyone with their arms out, Lord, and everyone who um, didn't want to put their arms out. Lord, I just pray for a fresh touch of your Spirit tonight. I pray that you fill people tonight to overflowing, Lord, uh, for the purposes that you've called them to, Lord. Empower them, strengthen them, guide them, comfort them, Lord. I just pray that tonight you move in big ways, Lord, that uh, we wouldn't expect Jesus. So, Lord, I pray right now for a fresh baptism of the Spirit for everyone here, for all those with their arms up, Lord. We're open and we're ready to receive what you have for us, Lord Jesus. Have your way in us. Amen. Please remain standing as we sing once again, Beneath the Waters I Will Rise. We stand in new creation, baptized in blood and fire. No fear of condemnation, by faith we're justified.